so excited at what God has done just over the past 12 months. Do you know that uh, we've baptized 33 people in the last 12 months? Are you excited about the lives that are being changed here? As I was looking back over the um, themes, the annual themes, the sermon series that we've used in the past, I thought, wow, we've been to some great places. The first major theme we launched back right when uh, 2010 rolled around um, was called Harvest Beyond the Limit. And it was a Mount Everest theme, and, and it took us into the book of Colossians, where it says, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, how many of you came along that very first year, right after we launched, 2009, 2010, and you were here for that Everest series? Okay. All right, great. After that, uh, we went on tour. Uh, it was uh, the Unstoppable God world tour as we made our way through the book of Acts. And we traced the journey of the gospel around the known world in the book of Acts. So we've got that slide up there. How many of you came in uh, late 2010, early 2011, right around the Acts series? All right, that's when we made the the leap to move to Stag High School. Uh, And that was quite an adventure. And we saw how the early church uh, got off the ground. How many of you came after that uh, when we got into the 1 Corinthians series? called Church Under Construction. How many of you came when we went through the book of 1 Corinthians, learning what a church on the solid foundation looks like? We weren't talking about a physical building. We were talking about building up the people of God on a strong, solid, firm foundation. And we used the crazy folks from the church in Corinth to learn how that's done. And then after that last year, we made our way into the Old Testament. The series was called Running with the Giants. How many of you just came to Harvest Palace within that last series? That's when you started showing up. Okay, and here is the series, Running with the Giants. And so after we've been to such amazing places, I thought to myself, you know, what's next? Where is God leading and directing our church? Where is he stirring my heart? Where, where is he steering all of us? And the more I prayed about it, the more I just kept coming back to the Great Commission. Um, Jesus gives us our mission as a church when he gathered a bunch of his followers on a hill in the middle of nowhere shortly after his resurrection um, thousands of years ago, he gave us the mission. And we are responsible to aim all of our efforts and to target our every resource to fulfilling his mission. And that mission basically was to go and make disciples. That kept pounding in my heart, go and make disciples, go and make disciples. And I thought, well, a really good, memorable way to put that, if we had to make it our our slogan of the year, would be, the new theme would be to boldly go. We are going to boldly go and make disciples. To boldly go and become disciples. And I thought, if that's the theme, I mean, there's no better way to package the theme than from the world of sci-fi. So our new look for the year is going to look like this. It's going to be a space theme to boldly go. And perhaps here's the next one. You'll see these banners and these posters on the bulletins and all over. And we're just drawing from that adventurous notion of going to space because guess what? Our adventure is going to be more adventurous than space travel as we go and follow the Lord and boldly go and make disciples. Um, if, um, if I had to take this great commission um, and for a whole year draw out of it a sermon series and draw out of the great commission major priorities and objectives for the church, um, um, if I had to do that, it would create quite an intense, aggressive agenda. 
So that's exactly what we're going to do. It's going to begin this morning as we get four bold mandates of our mission from the Great Commission. Let's pray, and then we'll begin learning about this new theme together. Father, the Great Commission is our bearings, our marching orders. You didn't leave it up to us to decide what our church will be about. You gave us, you gave us our mission. We cannot fulfill it without you. But if we walk with you, amazing things will happen by your Spirit. So Lord, give us clarity here as we learn from this passage in Matthew. Help us to hear anew the challenge you have set before us. Help us to boldly go and to make disciples. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, open in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, the very end of the book. And as you're turning there, understand that so much has already happened here. Jesus was um, thrown on the cross. He was tossed in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again. He kept telling his disciples, go meet me in Galilee. Go meet me in Galilee. Jesus said it. An angel said it. Jesus said again, go to Galilee. Go to Galilee. Go to Galilee. So they went up there, and on this... On this hill in the middle of nowhere, Jesus met them. He revealed himself to them, and he gave them uh, this great command. In verse 16 of Matthew chapter 28, it says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. It was a bold challenge. It was an impossible challenge. Um, If I had to take this great commission and, and put it in like, like a space format. Like if I rewrote it in terms of like space lingo, here's what it would sound like. These are the voyages more adventurous than space travel, leading to eternal frontiers. Our continuing mission is to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, and a new civilization of God found nowhere else in the universe, to boldly go where no one has gone before to make disciples. Now, fortunately for you, since we're going to space with this new theme, fortunately for you, I have already been to space. Did you know that about me? In fact, I built my own rocket and went to space. You're giving me a funny look, but it's true. And I videotaped the whole process just to prove to you that I've already been to space. Do you want to see the video? Okay, here it is.
Christmas a few years ago, my daughter Cassie got this cardboard rocket, and I told him we're going to space. So Jared was younger back then. When we opened the little door after our journey, he said, where's the aliens? (laughs) (laughs) To boldly go. The mission Jesus calls us on is actually more impossible than space travel. Uh, We couldn't accomplish this mission if we tried it alone. We'd have a better chance of trying to assemble a rocket and get into space than we would have even making one convert to Christ if we tried it alone, because we can't. So we have to completely rely on him to fulfill and to guide the mission. And here his followers gathered around him, and they would have settled for Jesus to just become an earthly king. That's really all they wanted. So when he died, they didn't know what to do. And then when he rose again, they were listening expectantly, like, well, what what now? Are we going to... Are you going to... Get crowned? Are you going to take over the world? What's now? And it was a surprising reaction. First look at verse 16, though, where it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Hey, notice the word eleven. How many disciples were there originally? There were twelve. So who's missing? Wow. He was called by name by Jesus to be one of the 12 apostles. He was privileged with the honor of walking with Christ for years. He was um, smooth and sleek enough to go undetected among the disciples as the traitor. They even entrusted him with the money bag. He was good at hiding the fact that he was just along for the ride. And then when the time came where he realized Jesus said he wasn't going to stick around on earth, Judas just wanted to make a profit. And all he wanted was a bag of money. That's what was important to him in this life. He was a traitor, and therefore he was damned for it. And he represents here people who are opposed to the lordship of Jesus Christ and who would rather cash in in any other way possible. Judas is out. Notice, though, that Peter is in. Boy, what an encouragement that is. That though Peter denied the Lord three times, blatantly, publicly, Jesus looked at him while he was denying him. He restored Peter and brought him back in and said, follow me. Wow. Notice that Judas is out. Notice that Peter is in. And then it says here, when they saw him, they worshipped him. Hey, write this down. Here's the first bold mandate from the Great Commission. Hey, boldly worship Jesus. Write that down. Boldly worship Jesus. Our first pillar here at Harvest, we have four pillars of conviction. Our first pillar is lifting high the name of Jesus in worship. And you didn't read wrong. The word is worship. They worshipped him and he received worship. Now many people in our world want to turn down the volume of our excitement for Jesus Christ. And they want to reduce him to something far less than a god. Oh, they'll be okay with Jesus, the, the, the uh, prophet, or maybe Jesus, the good teacher, or Jesus, the moral man, or even Jesus, the revolutionary. But Jesus, the God, Jesus, God, the Son, whoa, 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 whoa. And yet here we find Jesus receiving worship from his followers. You might say, oh, well, worship, the word just means to, to show homage, like just to kneel down. And you could do that before any old king on the earth. There's nothing special about what they were doing to Jesus, and you'd be wrong. The word worship means to adore on one's knees. Worship means to cast oneself to the ground and show honor. The word is used in Revelation 5 
of what's going on in the heavenly throne room of God the Father right now, angels, elders, every being in heaven is doing this thing called worship to God the Father. But the Bible says in Revelation 5, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and glory and honor and praise and wisdom and everything. Then it says at the end of that passage, they fell down and worshipped. So therefore, Jesus is co-equal of worship in the heavenly throne room of God with God the Father. Do you know what that makes him? That makes him God the Son. And maybe, you see, there's three groups of people here. There are those who are worshipping him. There's Judas who rejected him. But then it says some doubted. Some doubted. There, after all the miracles, there, after he came back up from the grave, after he walked on water and calmed the storm and fed the 5,000, there were still some who were standing there like this. What do I make of this? And this isn't just, this isn't just new people who are faced with the information for the first time. Like, whoa, 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 tell me again, what is it you're saying? These are people who've been along for the ride. And this word for doubted is not a commendable place to be in Scripture. It means double-minded, and it means one who is faced with the evidence on the outside continues to waver on the inside. It's not a good place to be. And I, I know there are people in this room who are falling into this group this morning. You are not a sold-out, worshiping follower of Jesus Christ. You haven't quite finally rejected him as a lunatic or a liar yet. You're just kind of undecided. You're like, well, I don't know what to make of him. And the disciples had no excuse. I mean, what more do they want? Okay, okay, let me touch your side again. Okay, okay. Let me see your hand again. All right. All right, do the uh, bread trick again. Here's a basket. Do the, do the bread trick again, okay? Um, get some, here's some water. Can you just go a couple steps out there? I just need to see again. Um, <laughs> they really had no excuse. They were still on the fence. Fortunately, because Jesus is merciful, the Bible says he stuck around for 40 days to convince them it's true. The Bible says he appeared to over 500 witnesses at one time to show that it's true. But maybe you're in this camp of those who are undecided about who Jesus is. Let me just be clear with you. There is no other option. Either you've fully embraced him as Lord and Savior or you fully rejected him, or you haven't quite made up your mind yet. You're not allowed to conclude he's something other than what the Bible says. You're not allowed to reduce him to anything other than the Lord, who Jesus says, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Who is Jesus? Who did he claim to be? Check out Daniel 7, verses 13 to 14. This is a prophecy about Jesus. It says this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Who is Jesus? Hey, either you've concluded he is the high, eternal king of heaven who will reign forever, or you've determined he's not, or you're undecided yet. 
And let me just speak to those who are undecided. Maybe God brought you here to this room on this morning so that you will finally fall on your face before him. Worship Jesus as your creator and king who alone will rule for eternity, understanding that there is no other name given under heaven by which you can be saved. Either you trust Jesus as your eternal king to see you through death, to wash you of sins, to make you a child of God, or you go into eternity with no hope. And eternity is forever. And it's not pleasant for those who have rebelled against a holy God. Hey, understand, there is only one way that you can be saved. Maybe in your heart that thought, Maybe it offends you. What do you mean there's only one way? Who are you to tell other people their way is wrong? And listen, if you understand the judgment of a holy God, if you know in the Bible that he has already flooded the earth and killed every man, woman, and child and left one family alive because of his wrath in Noah's day, if you understand that he poured out his judgment on the Pharaoh, that he took the lives of every firstborn son as Pharaoh held his own child in his arms, If you understand the fire and sulfur that was poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah, you should understand the wrath of God that is coming on every one of us. You should be afraid. You should understand with joy in your heart, with gratitude, that God even made one way to be saved. And he threw that lifeboat out there into the water. And if I were you, I would jump into it as soon as you can because you don't even know if you're going to get another day. Boldly worship Jesus Because he wields all surpassing power and he's your only hope of being saved. What makes him so special? There's plenty of religious leaders out there that have done good things. I like what Peter Larson said. He said, despite our efforts to keep him out, God intrudes. The life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities. A virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance and he left through a door marked, no exit. He's the only one. He's your only hope. Have you become a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ? And if so, let me just challenge you that this year as we boldly go, I want you to become a bold worshiper of Jesus Christ. Really, every service that we have here on Sunday morning, we plan it from the start to finish to give you a supernatural encounter with your heavenly Savior. You'll notice that the first couple songs we sing are basically calling you to worship. Come, let us do this. Let us sing this. You'll notice in the middle of the worship service, we always throw testimonial songs of what God has done for me. Look at what he's done for me or been to me. Then you'll notice by the end of the worship service, we're singing songs of direct praise to God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All of that is facilitating your encounter with the risen Lord. Let me just challenge you not to just come and fold your arms and listen to the pretty songs, but throw your whole soul into the worship because you have a risen Lord who loves to hear you sing to Him. Grow in boldness in your own worship this year. Well, the first bold mandate is boldly worship Jesus. Here's the second one. Write this down. Boldly witness for Jesus. We want to boldly worship Jesus and we want to boldly witness for Jesus. So let's look back in the passage here. It says, Now the eleven disciples went up to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we boldly 
worship Jesus, and then we boldly witness for Jesus. Here, make disciples is the emphatic command in the text. If you look at the Greek, there's three participles. We're going, we're baptizing, we're teaching. But really, the thing that we're doing is one word. It's one verb in the Greek. Make disciples. It's the mission of the church. Make disciples. The original word could, it's kind of a word for, it's an academic word for like learner, but it means more than that. It's, it's a devoted follower. It means you're bonded to, learning from, trusting in, living like, waiting for Jesus. Hey, are you a disciple of Jesus? Not a fan, a disciple, a sold out full follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are, you've been baptized following your conversion because baptism is the first thing Jesus asks of any of his followers. The Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Maybe you were baptized as a child, but we would say that doesn't count. Maybe you came to know Christ at an early age, that's fine. But the Bible says, repent and be baptized. Baptism symbolizes you being born again to new life. It symbolizes you having your sins washed away, and those things can't happen to you before you're converted. So let me just challenge you that whenever you were saved, if you've not been baptized following your conversion, hey, take that step of obedience. Uh, Recently, I found my baptism footage from way back when I was a freshman in college. I was the drummer in a heavy metal band, all right? And uh, I was just this punk, this rough around the edges punk. The Lord saved me. And and, um, do you want to see my baptism video? You want to see it? I look a little different. Okay, here you go. Here it is. This is Ryan Hall. Ryan, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who died and rose again from your sin? And have you by faith received him as your own personal Lord and Savior? Ryan, based on your testimony of faith in Christ, I'm going to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the life of his That is obviously a future senior pastor, am I right? That kid had senior pastor written all over him. (laughs) Hey, boldly witness for Jesus because people are going to be saved. At all stages of life, people are going to be saved. But the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And if we're not preaching the gospel, no one's going to get saved. It's one distinctive of, of our ministry here at Harvest. Our second pillar is sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. Why boldness? Because we believe that if people don't hear the truth about Jesus, they cannot be saved. We believe that. And I would just challenge you in your own heart to embrace that reality and don't give yourself any other hope of a person getting saved, of creation or maybe God being kind even though they were raised in a different country or even though they didn't. You know what? Our only hope is that we get the gospel to them, they hear it, and God calls them unto salvation and they repent. It's their only hope. The Bible doesn't give us any other way to find that hope that they're a convert. And the only way, frankly, we can kind of tell a person is saved is if they've been baptized and then watch the fruit. That's it. Boldly witness for Jesus. Notice that Jesus also numbers himself in the Trinity here, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He he includes himself as not the same person as God the Father, but of the same essence of the triune God. 
Therefore, in getting baptized in the name of Jesus, you're declaring that you believe he is of God. He is God the Son. You're saying that by your baptism. Boldly witness for Jesus. He's the hope of the world. It says, make disciples of all nations. This is God's plan. It's his only plan. And it's his plan for everyone, everywhere who's ever lived. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And only Jesus can give it to us. If I think about all the people who have been saved in our church, I could go on for a long time, but just a few names. I I think about early on uh, when we were planning to launch the church, we didn't even know how things would go. So we had these open houses and said, hey, anybody who wants to help us start a brand new church, you can come and we'll feed you some snacks and then tell you to follow a senior pastor who doesn't even have a church yet. And so people would come to these open houses and we'd be like, the new church is going to be great and we don't know where we're going to meet and we don't have a worship leader and we don't have any money, and, but uh, join! And we had about 60 adults by the end of it who said, we're going to do it. We're going to make this church possible. Um, but at one of our later open houses, uh, we only had two people show up to that meeting and so I was very depressed. I was like, Lord, here I am trying to start a church for you and only two people show up to our info meeting we had brownies and everything, and only two people showed up. And, uh, but in that room, two of our finest people, one of them was Jim Erickson, who oversees food services at Trinity, and he's, been ama- he's also the judge of the grill-off every year. And the second person is Carol Wingles, who at the time worked for McDonald's and oversaw millions of dollars of accounting, and she joined our, our uh, finance team. But she got saved listening to the radio, listening to Greg Laurie. We're the first church she and her husband Gary have attended. We're discipling them for the first time in their lives. See, and Carol and Gary are amazing followers of Christ who are sold out. But they just came at the beginning looking to be discipled. But they were saved by the gospel. I think of um, early on Roy and Lauren Scoes who came to one of our membership classes and uh, afterwards, they, were just, they just stayed around and they sat there and we said, hey, what are you guys still doing here? And they said, we don't really have a story of when we were saved. And so Ken Henley and I sat there and talked to them, shared the gospel with them, and they got saved right there. And I got to baptize both of them together. I think even more recently of Michelle Herndon, who's here for this service this morning, and I just ran into her out in the hallway after a church service here, and with tears in her eyes, she just said, Pastor Ryan, where do I start? Where do I start? And shared the gospel with her, and she was ripe to believe the good news, and she got baptized. And I think of Fred and Diana Freeman, who were here in the first service. Here we are looking for a building, and our realtor, as we're driving around in the snow, checking out buildings, he's like, Ryan, Ryan, tell me about this Jesus. Like, what's the difference between Christianity and all the other religions? And I'm talking to him, thinking, all right, he's a realtor. He just wants to, you know, he's just wanting to, to uh, schmooze me because I'm his client now. Every time we go out, he's got all these questions. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. Finally, one day, John Herzog, who's the lead of our facility team, one of our deacons and I, Fred, we're at, we're at lunch, and we're trying to talk about the building, and Fred keeps bringing up Jesus. You know, stop it. We're trying to find a building here. We're not here to talk about... And he's getting reminiscent. Fred's thinking back to his days in Vietnam and when God was trying to get his attention and couldn't do it. And the guy breaks down and starts, a grown man here with tears in his eyes. And he's got a business associate across the table from him looking at him like, Fred, what are you doing? And here I'm drawing out the gospel on this tablecloth, this paper tablecloth. You're here. God's here. He puts the cross in the middle and you can get saved. And he's like, I think I'm ready for that. This guy, I really get saved as we're looking for a building. And then he and his wife, uh, they got baptized at their last baptism service. And man, God is saving people through the gospel here. 
And he's using us to do it. Let me just say here that Jesus is enlisting each one of us to be his welcome team, to be his workers of evangelism. So, hey, next week is Bring a Friend Sunday. Okay, and what that means is if you believe everything I've just said, you're going to go home and see your neighbors through a different lens. You're going to see your family members through different eyes. You're going to see your co-workers. If this is true and Jesus is the only way and they don't have a saving relationship with Christ, you are God's plan to reach them. We've got invitations we passed down the row, and on the way out you can pick up some more. But let's invite our neighbors, let's invite our friends and family, let's believe that God could save them even if it would blow you away, even if it's a person you never think would say yes. Invite them, and let's bring friends next week because some people are going to get saved. Well, boldly worship Jesus. Second, boldly witness for Jesus. Here's the third one. Boldly proclaim Jesus. Boldly proclaim Jesus. Now, this is a different nuance. By witness, I'm saying initially present the gospel to the unsaved so that they can be saved. By proclaim Jesus, I mean the weekly proclamation of the truth that teaches us how to be followers of Christ. So our First pillar was lifting high the name of Jesus in worship. Our second pillar was sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. Our third pillar is proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. What you're going to get every week when you come to this church is you're going to get an open Bible in my hands and you're going to get what the Bible has to say about life and discipleship and everything. And you're going to learn what God's expectation on you as a disciple is. Okay, it's not really hip and in and popular in many churches today to actually preach from this thing. All right? So if you want something else, find another church. But if you want to hear from God, if you want the Lord to speak through me and his word to your heart, then you better come hungry to hear each week. Frankly, we don't have any tolerance for people who show up, sit down, fold their arms. They want to hear a few jokes or anecdotes just to get them through the morning. Check the box that says church and then go on with your week and don't let it change you at all. Hey, either come to be changed, aim to be a different person when you leave those doors, not because of me, but because of God, or go somewhere else, because we're here to change lives and make disciples. And if you come hungry to hear, you're going to change. What does that mean? Well, that means that you're coming with ears to hear. Uh, You're coming with expectation for God to help you. You're being honest with people about your trials. You're being open to God about his demands. If you come hungry to hear, you will hear from him. You will encounter him. He will speak to you. He will lead you and help you and guide you. You'll be a different person in 12 months. We're boldly going, and my, my hope is that you will be light years ahead in your discipleship 12 months from now. Not just spinning your wheels, not just stuck in the mud, not just same old you with a few more facts. That's not what we're going for. So we're going to boldly proclaim Jesus. And he says here, go and make disciples, baptize a disciple, then teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the sermon series for the year is going to be drawn right out of this sentence. As we boldly go and make disciples, as we challenge you in your worship, as we challenge you in your witness and evangelism, the sermon series that's going to come right out of this theme is Uh, The next 12 months, every sermon is going to be from the teachings of Jesus. And so every sermon is going to be something Jesus taught. We haven't really done a series on Jesus other than Colossians, which kind of taught us about him. 
but we haven't really done a series where Jesus speaks and, and we hear all the words that he said. And I don't know about you, but when God the Son comes down for just over 30 short years and opens his mouth and talks, I want to hear what he had to say. Am I right? So we're going to hear the gospel according to Jesus, the deity of Jesus, the birth and death and resurrection according to Jesus, the example of Christ in many areas of life, his prayer life, how he treated his enemies. We're going to look at his teachings on miracles, his teaching on the kingdom of Christ. We're going to look at his teachings on end times. Uh, I am so pumped about this. The next year is going to be the teachings of Christ straight out of the Great Commission. It's going to be a life-altering series. You will find very quickly that the teachings of Jesus are revolutionary, scandalous, politically incorrect. They seem to be arrogant. They seem to be narrow-minded and bigoted. And you're going to be confronted real fast with some of the things Jesus had to say. But it's going to be life-changing. So let me just challenge you. Here's what it means to come hungry. Hey, get here early every week. Get here early every week. If you don't plan to arrive 15 minutes before the service starts, you're going to be walking in late, especially if you have kids. You're going to be frustrated. You'll get in here. You'll miss a couple songs. By the time you get settled, three or four songs have gone by. And you're just not going to have your heart ready for when the word is preached. So aim to get here early every week. Okay? Aim to get in your seat and even have a little prayer time of just, Lord, Lord, settle my heart. Push the distractions away. Uh, Aim to sing your heart out. I mean, aim, aim to come prepared which means I want to see you walking in with the Bible so that you can see that it's in there and I'm not making stuff up. Okay, and I'd also say aim to be an engaged listener. Have your bulletin, have your pen. You might even want to pull out the sermon notes once a week at some point and pray back, God, what did you want to say to me here? Lord, what did did it mean when this was said? Lord, and just, just take it in. Be a sponge to the Word of God. Remember, it was the voice of Jesus that calmed the storm. Remember, it was the voice of Jesus that called the dead back to life. It was the voice of Jesus that commanded power over evil spirits, that healed sicknesses. It's the voice of Jesus that promises eternal life. You're going to be hearing that voice every week. Come to listen. So boldly, we're going to worship Christ. Boldly, we're going to witness for him and be challenged in that. Boldly, we're going to proclaim him and grow in our understanding of his teachings. And here's the fourth one. Boldly walk with Jesus. Write that down. Boldly walk with Jesus. He says here, teaching to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is calling you to lifelong companionship with him. Now, previously, he said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the bread from heaven. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And now he says, I am with you to the end of the age. Now, nobody can claim to be present with who knows. Maybe there were a couple hundred followers of Christ up on this hill and they were all about to leave and go home. How could he say, I'm with everyone? I'm with you and I'm with you and I'm with you and I'm with you. He's claiming to be omnipresent. That's a trait of God. He's claiming that even though he beams up to heaven in front of all of them like a week or two after this, okay? And yet he says, I'm with you. He's claiming to be God the Son. He's claiming to be omnipresent. And he's also claiming to provide you with divine fellowship from now, not only until the day you die, but till the end of the age. I mean, for ages to come, he'll be right there with you. The Bible says, never will he leave you, never will he forsake you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do you want that? 
Do you want a Savior to walk with you through the trials of life? Do you want to know you're not alone? Do you want to feel like you're not going through it all by yourself? Because that's what he has in mind for us. It's not just a transaction where he stamps you saved and then off you go living life however you want. Salvation begins the walk of faith where you have a Lord who demands everything from you and promises you the entirety of all that he is on a daily basis. This is what it means to walk with Christ. But what does it mean to do it boldly? Well, I think there's a few things here. We would say there's two feet to your walk with Christ at harvest. The first one is your individual foot. That would be just you and Jesus going somewhere. You growing in your personal spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible reading and memorization and uh, meditation of Scripture. We want to challenge you to go places in your personal walk with Jesus this year. And we'll give you tools to do that. The second foot of the walk with Christ is the community foot. And Jesus will not let you get very far alone. See, because you were saved and you were grafted into the body of Christ. You are spiritually fused and united with all other followers of Christ. The reason for that is because you have a family to help you in the walk of this life. And maybe you're worn out because you've just been trying to go it alone. Maybe you're worn out because you've tried sin, repent, repeat, sin, repent, repeat, caught in this cycle. Why? Because you're not including others to help you in your walk. So, of course, you're stuck. You're only going to get so far if you're trying to go it alone and God didn't design you to be Lone Ranger Christian. Okay, He gave you a family. The way we express that at Harvest is we set up small groups and we say that we want you to get into a small group. But that's not it. That's just the beginning of it because we want you to get into the small group and then we want you to be honest with those people on a weekly basis about how your walk is going, about what's in your heart. And if you truly get into a small group, And if you honestly bear your soul with those around you, that's how Christ will get you walking forward. It's the only way. And as a church of four years now, I've seen people who came early on and refused to get into a small group. No, I don't think I need that. No, we're good. We're good. No. And it's sad to see them not growing. And it's excruciatingly painful to see them go through a trial. Okay. Because they instantly don't have a support network around them of people who know them and love them. And like a drowning victim, they instantly try and reach for anyone they can, but there's no one there. And um, when Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age, it's not like he's going to appear before you during a hard time. The primary way God makes his presence known and felt to believers and non-believers is through his church. And if you don't have believers around you exercising spiritual gifts of encouragement and mercy and giving and hospitality and truth-telling and all that, guess what? You're not going to feel like God is there because you're forfeiting His very plan for manifesting His presence in your life. But those people who have gotten into small groups, those people who have been honest with the people in accountability time, those people who have asked for help, guess what? They are moving forward. At the speed of light, they're moving forward because this is the way that we grow. So let me challenge you, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. If you are in a small group, stop faking like everything's perfect. Stop trying to put on the show like you don't need help. Maybe other people are growing, but not me. And just start facing the reality that God has given you resources and people to love you and to move you forward. Embrace that. That's what it's there for. We are going to give you opportunities to grow 
in each of these areas. Your worship, to grow in your evangelism, to grow in your knowledge of the truth, and to also grow in your walk with Jesus together with others. I can list a few of those opportunities right now. Um, Obviously, small group is the primary one, but for those of you who have some really tough things you're going through, like, don't know if my small group, you know, can actually handle such a big knot, I can't untie it. Well, we have a soul care team that is formed, and we have a soul care ministry for people who perhaps have some unconventional needs and need some special help, and you just need to call in the office, and we can get you paired up with someone who's got experience in some of these harder life trials. You just need to call. We also have um, other opportunities for fellowship and growth. You might want to write these down. If you're a man, there's an Act Like Men conference November 8th to the 9th. You can write that down. November 8th to the 9th in Indianapolis. It's a one-day quick conference. It's Friday night, Saturday morning, and it ends at like 4. And I'm going. uh, Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Brandon, we're all going. So if you want to go, you have to act this week because the conference is selling out and the hotel rooms are getting booked. You just need to go to the website, register for the conference, and then start talking to people on your ministry team and small group and say, hey, I'm going. You want to go? Fill a van up. If you need help with that, you can contact Pastor Brandon this week at the office, and he can help you find perhaps other people to go with. But it's the Act Like Men conference, November 8th to the 9th. There's also the conference called Harvest University. This is in Elgin, October 20th to the 23rd. If you have to pick one or the other, definitely pick the Harvest U conference. Thousands of people from Harvest Bible Chapels around the world fly into Elgin for this, uh, this four-day conference, and we sing and worship, and we get trained to do ministry better, and we hear testimonies of what God's doing in Africa and Australia and Scotland and, and everywhere on the planet, and you get to meet people from Harvest Churches with the same biblical distinctives as us, and it is astonishing what goes on there. So if you've got some work time, use vacation time or whatever, personal days, get there. You can commute there or you can get a hotel out there like many of us are doing. But Harvest You, October 20th through the 23rd. How many of you have gone to Harvest You before in the past? At one point, raise your hand up if you've gone. Okay, nothing like it, right? Nothing like it. So register online and get there and it's going to be life-changing. Finally, if you're like, I I wish we could just meet some friends and get to know some people and... um, Uh, Next July, uh, the last week in July, we have Silver Birch Ranch, which is our Harvest Family Retreat. Um, And it is a vacation, and you can go online and find out more details. But it's a Christian camp, and the days are filled with adventure and horseback riding and tubing and and climbing walls and zip lines. But also we take a little time every morning, and our worship team leads worship, and I share a little devotion. And it is spiritually rejuvenating, and it's the best way to to get to know some people at a deeper level here. So talk to your small group, your ministry team, and say, hey, let's go to Silver Birch next year. The thing is, you have to register in that first couple weeks of January. We have exclusive uh, reservations um, window, and once they open up the, the registration to everybody, it fills up same day before noon, all right? So I'm telling you, you can't be like, oh, well, let's just see if we want to go. You have to register, otherwise you're going to end up in a little tent, okay? They're not going to have anything left. So talk about it now if you'd like to go, and that's where those pictures were from the slideshow. This is your opportunity to grow in your walk with Christ and with others at Silver Birch next year. Well, this is it. This is the challenge. We're going to boldly go and worship Jesus, boldly go and witness for him and proclaim him and walk with him, and this is going to be the best year of ministry so far. And so as we just commemorate this fifth year, the beginning of the fifth year, let's just close our eyes and pray. Let's just give this entire year in advance up to the Lord. Father in heaven, we just praise you because we know that you have greater things planned yet still. So hear us, Lord. 
Pour out your favor and your blessing and your glory upon our fifth year of ministry, just as you have in the previous four years. Save souls next week and in the coming weeks. Show us how to walk forward with you and to achieve progress in areas where we are stuck. And Lord Jesus, we pray that your word would go forth like a sword and that would have its impact and not return void this year. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.